Hey, sick and wrong. This is Harry Wayne. Just wanted to say that you guys, you hit the nail right on the head with what you're saying. And I agree with everything you said. And I think you're 100% correct in what you're stating. And I agree with it. I think you're absolutely right in what you're trying to say. And I agree with it 100%. Oh, yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast because it's a very good podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a funny, 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 funny show. Sick and Wrong Podcast is a wonderful podcast. It's a miraculous podcast. It's like the best podcast in the whole wide, wide, wide world. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I am one of your hosts, D. Simon. And I am Harrison. The other host. The there. other yeah. new... The fresh as fresh as a newborn baby host. My is second that, is that going to be like your your catchphrase or something? Not. Fresh no. as a newborn don't baby. Don't ever make that my catchphrase, please. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that works well. Yeah. No, I mean you're welcome to use it or any other catchphrase, but yeah, I don't know that please one. Please don't attribute that catchphrase to me. <laughs> yeah, that one I would. I don't know. It sounds a, yeah, it sounds a little. Pedophilic. I'm already getting memos from legal about it. Yeah, I would say so. Anyway, well, what's cracking there, Harrison? Um, what's been going on? Well, I've been uh, sick. I've been uh, this week. I've been uh, illin, like much like Jacob Dylan. Um, and I, I heard about this. I, I texted you, and then you called back, or you texted back. And you're like, you know, I'm, I've been ill. You're like out of commission, ill. Like you out were of really ill. I think I had the flu. Yeah. Wow. So I was laying around on the couch in my own filth, and uh, I, I watched a lot of Netflix. And I watched this movie that was my favorite movie when I was eight years old called Monster Squad, right? Monster Squad. Have you ever seen this? I, I don't think I've seen this. It's basically kind of a low-rent version of, of The Lost Boys meets The Goonies. Okay, that which was you know groups of uh, like groups of like kids solving crimes and shit was big in the mid eighties. Yeah, yeah, and you they know? have to fight you know Earth, the supernatural. Yeah, they have to fight Dracula and Frankenstein and the Mummy and all the monsters, all the Universal, all oh, the non trademark oh. versions of the uh, Universal monsters. The monsters that are in the public domain. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay, the like they have the creature from a Black Lagoon, but they call him the Gill Man. Oh, because they can't. Yeah, yeah, not Gilman. Not like they Bob call him a, a merman? I don't know. They call him Gilman for some reason. Gilman. Yeah, that's what they call him. That. Uh, yeah. All right. Whatever. I'm gonna let that go. So, yeah, I, th- I think you should. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this was. It, it made me realize I'm watching it, and at the end, there's like a rap. Like as soon as the credits roll, there's a rap about mm. the movie, and it's like you know, it's like the the Wolf Man and the Mummy. We're getting kind of chummy. Ha, 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 ha. You know, it's like old yeah, school, yeah. you know, rap about it. And I realized that from this period in time, from like 1987 to say 1990, if you did a blockbuster movie, you had to have a rap song at the end credits. And the rap song would it's basically true. be recount. It would be like recapping what you just saw. 
You know, it would be like, like summarizing the movie. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I just watched the movie. I don't need it like wrapped back to me. Like, why are you? Di- why did history do this? What what happened? You know, and the funny thing about it, too, is would they hire like a black celebrity to do the rapping like Will Smith or uh, Bobby Brown? Just somebody like somebody, a famous rap, like black celebrity that would just kind of do it. Not Monster Squad, but Ghostbusters 2. You know, they got Bobby yeah. Brown. Right, but what was that song that he did? It was like, I can't think of the name of it. It was too hard. I think it was called Too Hard to Handle. Um, and it was like it was like they were throwing a party for a bunch of children, and all the while the slime was under the building. <laughs> too hot to handle, too cold to hold. You see the Ghostbusters when you're in control. Exactly. Or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and it literally recaps the entire. It's like they try to stop Vigo, the mess. You know, like just like okay, we just watched the f- fucking movie. You know. Do you, do you think it's because rap was a novelty at that point? Yeah, I you think know, it, was it was a thing that you had to have. You before, know, well, that was before Chronic. It was before like it became gangster rap, and then there's a stigma attached to it. Mm. You know, it's like because at that point, it's like they're not going to have like ODB from Wu Tang singing, you know, the, uh, the 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 summation of Monster Squad, especially not Monster Squad. Yeah, because they were doing that shit on a budget. You know? But they're also not going to have like uh, Q-Tip no. from Tribe Called Quest or like mm. KRS One because you know they're like seriously. Yeah. I'm not doing that. They have some, yeah, you know. Yeah, but you get like Bobby Brown. So what What other movies had these, okay, these so rap? Okay, dr- so Dragnet is is one. Dra- Dragnet. Yeah, yeah. Had a rap in it. Yeah, yeah. And, and Why would Dragnet have a rap in it? Well, it's, it's if you watch it, it's the, the song is called City of Crime. And if you watch it on YouTube, it's one of those most, it's like, it's so embarrassing. It's almost more embarrassing than that video of, of David Bowie and Mick Jagger singing Dancing oh, in the Streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Their outfits were yeah. great in that. Though. Like, like, do you want to, like, listen to yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. play a clip. Yeah. I'm play a clip here. You're a dangerous mob, and it is our job to bust you all for being violent. While we are here, let's state it clear. You have the right to remain silent. It's like a generic And beat. that was Tom Hanks. Just, <laughs> that was know. Tom Hanks yeah, it's rapping? Tom Hanks and, and Dan Aykroyd rapping this this horrible song. Because yeah. at the time, I think it was like this novel way to do yeah. music. You know, it's a new thing. Nightmare on Elm Street 4 with wow. the Fat Boys. Shut up. And Freddy, you know, rapping. Was that Dream Warriors? Yeah, Dream Warriors. Wow. Yeah. God, yeah. I don't even remember this. Yeah. And this kind of sounds like the ICP to me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I, I kind of like the uh, the whole, like, back then, a very common um, phrase that they used in these white person rap songs that they played. The music, My name is D and I'm here to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's I love very Fruity common. Pebbles yeah. in a major way. Yeah, that, that's yeah, right. that's that's yes. that's a wrap. It's mm. a wrap there. I mean, this was also the era when you would get those weird giant shirts with like Bugs Bunny in like hip hop gear. Do you remember, remember this? Space Jam? Oh, yeah, Space Jam was yeah. a big movie with Bugs Bunny. And that, but that was I think that was even after this point where they'd have like the Tasmanian Devil dressed up like the kids from Crisscross for no reason, <laughs> you know, and you'd wear a shirt with this on it. So were were you were you like chagrined to hear that rap song? Did you like did that tarnish the whole movie experience for you to hear that rap song at the end? No, it kind of it kind of sent me through a wormhole of just like what were the movies that did this, you know, and why did they do this? Hmm. I got I, I figured out what the movies were. I, I still haven't figured out why. 
But I mean, there was that time where Will Smith, whenever he did a movie, yeah. there must have been a clause in his contract where they're like, yeah, you got to do a song about the movie. Like he's contractually obligated yeah. because he's a rapper. Yeah. We want you in the Wild Wild West, but you got to do a song. It's got to be called the Wild Wild West and it's got to be like about the movie, you know? You know, I'm surprised because uh, Schindler's List came out around that time. Why didn't they have a rap at the end of that? That would be great. That yeah. would have been great. Yeah. That would have been a classic <laughs> rap. And you could have Liam Neeson doing it. My name is Lee or Oscar, Oscar Schindler. My and name I'm here is to Dr. Mengler, and I'm here to say. <laughs> I like to shave Jews every day. You know, something like that. Yeah. I think that would work. Um, anyway, uh, we're being rude. We have a guest in the studio who's also a rapper. A, uh, a rapper, a uh, female rapper. Um, I'd like to introduce Hung Young Terrorist. Hi. To the, uh, how's it going Howdy. there, Hung Young? I'm gonna, can it's I call you just Hung Young? Good. You can call me whatever you want. All right. Just don't call me by my real name. Okay, Hung Young Terrorist. Is that your rap name, your rap moniker? I guess I rap now. It's weird, yeah. I heard, uh, you know She's what? also the Tizza. <laughs> the Tizza. And also... Uh, Miss Henry Kissinger, which actually I just made up. She's not that, but I kind of, I kind of like yeah. that. You should totally go in that direction, Miss Henry Kissinger. I'm so down with that yeah. new. I'm, Jewish I'm all diplomats. about nicknames. Yeah, just that, that come works. Up with like ten more for me while I'm here tonight, and I'll be good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you do, you do rap. Uh, Harrison sent me a song. It was like a Wu Tang inspired song. It sounded very similar to. Like, oh. Like you, it, it sounded like a Wu Tang song. Was to it me. the twelfth joint that you sent him? Yeah, that yeah. was modeled after Hell's Windstaff. So, oh, okay, okay. I use their phrasing. I'm, I'm copying the best. I'm studying from the best. Yeah, yeah. They, they, that's my favorite rap group. That was the hardest song I've ever done, and the hardest song I'll ever do. But I had to basically replace all of the words and the phrasing from from five MCs and six verses on Hell's Windstep, which is the craziest thing I've ever done. It is. Yeah, it was quite impressive. I like the track. And the, the beats, did you do the beats too for it? Yeah, the beats took me a second. I just, I did the, I did a real quick thing on, um, on machine. I just, I just imitated their beat just to give, give us something, but we'll be replacing the beats eventually. Those are just scratched to get the, the flows down. We got 12 flows for the, the new hip hop record that I'm doing with this guy. Oh, you're Daryl very, Swan. He, is he, is he also a rapper? Um, he's a producer. He did Macy Gray in the nineties and he's worked with most stuff and will I am. And, um, who, who's that one? What's her name? Brooke, Brooke, something. Brooke, Brooke Candy. Brooke Candy. You kind of remind me a little That's bit of I her. Yeah, she's awesome. My friend, Steve Abagon played me her, her stuff. She's, She's awesome. Yeah, she, I, I, I like she that. She makes di- me laugh. Yeah, you should like that that direction, like She's you know, provocative dope. and saying, "You know, Brooke Candy." I have no idea who that but is. She, her Instagram is great too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. Anyway, you know, um, people, I'll be a. You, know, you can go check out Hung Young Terrace music at Hung Young Terra T E R R A Wrist R A S T dot Bandcamp dot com. But I didn't have you on here specifically to talk about music. What I had you on here, my goal here, my, my motive for inviting you here, is we're going to talk about sex cults, and you were in a cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Harrison Harrison told me that uh, Hung Young Terrorist over here was in a sex cult for a number of years, too. Yeah, I was. I, I've been learning to meditate from age probably like a little above six years old uh, up until 15. I was initiated over the phone when I was 16 by one of his closest disciples. And then I moved to where the cult was when I was 18. And Where, where was the cult? It's um, It's been scattered and regrouped um, several times over the past like 30 years. Um, started in LA, um, scattered and regrouped, ended up in... Uh, I think there were some disciples in um, like North Carolina. They were all over the place, and they regrouped in Austin back in 
like probably 1998 or something like that. So, maybe in the 90s. So the name of the cult here is the Buddha Field, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are they kind of just like a, is it a Hindu thing? Is it just... Yeah, it was like, a blend of Hindu and Zen. A um, little bit different than the Messianic Christian cults. But Texas seems to have a lot of that stuff, like David Koresh, Waco, Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this definitely sounds like more of a new age spiritual type of cult. Um, and, yeah. it, and it was a sex cult, which is interesting. Well, I mean, I call it a sex cult sometimes just to be dramatic, but the reality is that it, 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 I didn't know it was a sex cult. And half the people didn't know it was a sex cult because he was gay. And so he was only like really fucking the male disciples and not just the male disciples, but like the best looking male disciples. So <laughs> they're wow. probably only, you know. So some people were chosen. There were, there were a group. When you say he, you mean the, the leader. Yeah, there was a group around him. Um that included probably like you know eight or t- eight to ten of i mean I, I i don't know they were they were pretty cute some of them were really pretty cute one of them um that i thought was like one of the most beautiful men i've ever seen in my life um was a very close disciple to him and is now doing um a documentary but it was like you know fucked on the regular once a week like clockwork he had a few different disciples were these he, guys all of age though of legal age um, I think Cause they that were. usually doesn't tend to matter to the cult leaders. They're just like, ah, fuck it. They're my disciples. I'll fuck them. Yeah, exactly. They want to keep some young ones around though, because um, you know it's good to have a you groom them. Yeah, yeah you groom you, you want the old, the older ones to have something pretty to look at. Yeah, that I makes mean, sense. I, I, I so, know. did the women feel left out? Were the women like, oh, come on, dude? Like, did you know he was gay? Everybody knew he was gay. Um, was he super I mean, gay? Like, like his. So, what was this guy's name? All right, well, his real name was Jaime Gomez. Jaime? Jesus, that's that's like a that's like a, t- a traditional Jewish name, Hyman. I have oh, like really? gr- yeah, like I have relatives that were named Hyman back in like the 1920s. Luckily, they kind of you know phase that name out because could you imagine how embarrassing that would be? <laughs> Hyman yeah. Harrison. Yeah. I would love that. He was born. Jaime. Uh, he was born in Venezuela, from what I understand, and he lived on a farm. Um, what we didn't know until later was that he was a porn actor. Um, and somebody like found him in some porn video. We like, you should start a cult. Straight up. Well, he first was a, um, what happened was, I was very close to a few of the disciples that got very close to him. Like the second in command um, was like twice my age and ended up being my first boyfriend that I lost my virginity to when I was 19. So I got a really like, I got an interesting look. Like now I wasn't one of the uh, disciples that had what they call the knowing, which is like when he goes into a dark room and like supposedly opens your third eye, which later we found out was like, brown eye had to do with like a flashlight oh. and like, you know, like he was like fucking with people all the way yeah, down I to using imagine. a fucking flashlight. Oh, I would not want to be in a dark room with this guy. But he brought men and women to the dark room? They had so much fun, but I came later than all the fun. Like, they had retreats, all get together, and it'd be like 150 disciples, and like, he'd have us do these exercises. So like, 20 people would get up, and he'd be like, all right, get into pairs, and one of you act like you're crippled, and the other one try to fill in where the other person's crippled. So, Like, you, what do you mean, fill in, like, act like you're, like, if you're well, like, like, my so legs like, are crippled, then ma- you'd have to shape. pretend to be their legs? Yeah, you, like, make a shape that's all, like, fucked up, basically, like, like, you know, just something whacked out, and then, like, the other person would have to, like, try to conform their body around you, and it was all about how, you know, people in relationships, they make these compromises, and 
you know, he was that, really. That's big. a really loose metaphor. Like he's really reaching for this. It's like the human centipede. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, yeah. I, you know, I'm not. I'm, I think he's really trying. This guy sounds to me like he's like, all right, I'm going to start a cult so I can like bugger young boys. And then I'll just make up a bunch of different things to occupy the woman's time. So, well, the weird thing is that, okay, so as folklore in this Buddha field would have it, um, he started as an acting coach. So I guess he went from porn to mm. directing, uh, like teaching uh, as an acting coach. And then eventually the guy that I ended up being my first boyfriend and lost my virginity to was like one day after they, they all had like these really intimate acting classes was just like... You're my master. I, I surrender to you. Like, he bowed down to him. I guess he was really looking for somebody to teach him. So, apparently, like, as the story has it, he really didn't want that type of, um, you know, deification early on. But what happened yeah, was, what changed, what changed was, yeah, eventually, ego. yeah, eventually he had people driving for him. He had all his meals cooked for him. He had people opening his passenger side door for him. Well, that's the way you do it. Wouldn't you, if you're a co-leader, don't you want to do that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's I mean, like you, whole, you got that messianic dream, complex. It's dream. like, yeah, you know, and then uh, you worship me. Yeah. I, th- I think this guy obviously uh, I mean, I exploited. Sure. Yeah. But like later we found out things that were kind of super, <laughs> I mean, for me at least, that it was just insane. Like, for example, we had these things called cleansings where most people, I mean, and I was included, would have to pay $50 to go in and see him and talk to him. So we'd go to his house. He had like a, a house where he lived with like four or five of his closest, highest disciples. They all had the knowing, which was basically the synony- knowing. All hot dudes. <laughs> synonymous with uh, your third eye opened, which was not necessarily true. Like later we found out, well, all the people with the knowing would go into a special room on all of all of our satsang. Satsangs was like, Satsangs is, if you've studied this stuff, you know what satsang is, but basically it's like um, a sharing. So satsang can be given by the master, it can be given by a disciple that's been initiated by the master, and it's basically like an hour long, and when you have disciples, they can't shut the fuck up, an hour and a half long, um, basically sermon. And then afterwards, everybody shares, and everybody's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so in the moment, and I just want to be devoted to you, master. And Every time I hear stuff like this, and I hear about Charles Manson and his cults, and, all, and you know, his, the cult that he started, it's not that difficult. I think you could probably do this. Make up some catchy mantras. You know, like try to be. I just don't think I'm good looking enough to have my own cult. I mean, Manson wasn't. Like this, you yeah, know, Manson was pretty good looking, he, though. He's a short guy, he was but short he was. Fella, you know, like, do you he ever see he wasn't pictures? No genius, that's for damn sure. Yeah, you but did you ever I mean? see pictures of Manson when he was a kid? Mm-mm. Or not when he was a kid when he was like a like a young adult, like when he's like nineteen, twenty. That's about. Oh, maybe we'll show you a picture and you can tell me if you think yeah. he's hot or not. He wasn't a bad looking guy. He looked like a hippie guy, a young hippie dude. Yeah, he did. But like, yeah, you're yeah. right. He wasn't a very intelligent dude, and he wasn't a very gifted songwriter either. No. And you're like, well, what do you think? Do you think he's a good looking guy? Hot Manson. or not, Manson. I think he's a good-looking guy. Would yeah. you hit it back in the day? I wouldn't mind sitting on it. Okay, all right. There, all right. You, go. there you go. Um, no, so I'm what, what just... would have happened when you're having these sessions? Like, if, if it was, <laughs> if you're in my cult and you're having these sessions, we would have been listening to Beatles. We would have been listening to, like, I've Weird Al. i that he never tried to fuck me. I mean, I feel like if he did, I would have just been out of there. So, And I just, I, I even told the other guy, I'm like, why didn't you ever tell us? And it's like, nobody was talking. Nobody was supposed to talk. And it was like, he was about to buckfuck them. And he was like... But fucking, he was like, drop your mind, surrender to the love, and it's just like, oh my god, like so that means pull your pants down. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. like as he's 
was I I don't know. So, so what what happened? Let's cut cut to the chase here. What, he was found out. Everyone found out that he was like having sex with a bunch of male disciples, yeah, and, and that's so, what killed the so cult. So they scattered. Um, they scattered. Uh, I would say probably he must have at least lost half of his disciples. But now he's in Hawaii and he's amassed another 150 disciples. And I'm pretty sure, like you know. I would say maybe 30, 40 of them have been with him through it all and don't fault him for any of it and look beyond all that stuff. And they just, because they want so much to be out of their own minds that they're willing to just be like, this is an excuse. You could just start over like that. Just get another hundred. It's it's, it's that X factor. You know, I think it's that the charisma you need to to get a hundred. Like I'm going to, you know, pull up stakes, go somewhere else. And then I'll have another 150 followers. And you track these followers. Yeah. I mean, you look at like, uh, so the reason I was going to bring up this topic is in the news recently, it was uh, Warren Jeff's uh, Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has been in the news. You might remember this guy. He was arrested in 2008 um, when they found out that he was actually convicted in 2011 of sexual assault and aggravated sexual assault on two girls ages 12 and 15. He's been sentenced to life in prison for over 20 years. And so this is like a, I, I guess, more of a fanatical branch of the Mormon church. And they split off because it's a polygamous sect. Like they still wanted to practice polygamy, whereas like other Mormons were like, no, nah, we're not going to do the polygamy thing. Yeah, yeah, it was cool at one time, but we're not going to do that anymore. But not, not Warren Jeffs. Like, this guy's like, no, I want to bang everybody. And so <laughs> this guy is still kind of leading the church from yeah. prison through his brother, who's in charge of it. And so now there's all this information coming out about, like, what, what's happened, like the ritualistic sex that was occurring in the cult. And so apparently they, uh, they, they had a group of followers that were led by his brother called Seed Bearers. Mm. They're Seed Bearers. And a Seed Bearer is an elect man of a worthy bloodline chosen by the priesthood to impregnate the women. So yeah, sure they uh, they they practice polygamy and sure people had multiple wives, but the husbands weren't allowed to have sex with their wives. The privilege belonged to the seed bearer alone. So it's the husband's responsibility to sit there and hold the hands of their wives while the seed bearer spread his seed. That just sounds really complicated. It sounds know? creepy. I like, yeah. like I mean you're being forced to be a cuckold. Yeah. You know, you're like sitting there. It's like, well, this guy who's a chosen seed bearer comes in and, and has sex with your wife. But, but the, the thing that, that blows my mind about cults in, in, in general is when you're in the cult, you're just like, yeah, that's how, that's how we do it. That's totally normal. Well, this, and this, you don't argue. You don't like. You don't speak up about it. I mean, this particular gr- uh, branch of, of Mormon, the fundamentalist um, Mormons. Uh, they have a, a strange background, if you, if if you will. Uh, you know, strap on your mortarboard here. That's it. Let's your, have a Mormon lesson. Put on put on your put on your candy necklaces. <laughs> Professor get, Harrison get your slide here. whistles out. History of the Mormons. Yeah. So um, this Warren Jeffs was the son of Rulon Jeffs. Rulon. And they who is known as Uncle Rulon. So if you were like a fifteen-year-old girl in this cult. They'd be like, oh, let's go see Uncle Rulon, which would just result in horrific trauma, of course. Hmm. But I mean, in any situation, if someone's like, oh, let's go see Uncle Rulon. No. I would be be wary. Yeah, let's not. Um, But if you've ever seen that HBO show, Big Love, uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character is based on On Uncle Uncle Rulon. Rulon. Yes. Is it Big Love? Is that supposed to be about the fundamentalist church? It's about that particular sect. It's it's based on it. Um, there's actually a very good book called Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer, which has all this information about it. But when Uncle Rulon died at the tender age of like 92, and this was in 2002, um, 
he had 60 wives, around at least 60 wives, at least 60. Jesus. And his son, Warren Jeffs, who's now in prison, uh, married all but two of his father's widows. So he had to marry, how old were the father's widows? They were all young. I mean, this guy was like 92 and he'd marry like 19 year olds. 15-year-olds. Wow. This know. is why you need to lead a cult. Well, he um, he did end up marrying one of the women there just in order to have some, I'm sure, finances and things like that. But um, that was pretty much as far as, as that. Wait, Andreas, he had a beard? Oh, wait, your co-leader? Yeah, he married. Oh, so your co-leader did marry a he woman. He married one of the women, yeah. She was like big on vitamins and nutrition. But he wasn't having sex with her? Nah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if you, yeah, that's the thing. It's a, but you, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're in a cult. You can be 90 and you can still yeah. have sex with a 19 year old and be confident enough to take pictures of your feet and keep them. <laughs> I don't do that. I mean, I have Nosferatu feet. You think I'm showing pictures of people pictures of my feet? Absolutely not. No. So it's surprisingly, the uh, the FDS, um, the FLDS, is still yeah. around. Yeah. Even the Warren Jeffs is in uh, prison. His yeah. brother's still leaving it. It's, it. I think their 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 population has dwindled a bit. Well, it's weird because you know, in in we used to be actually be at war with the Mormons when they first were settling Utah, in Utah. This was like in the eighteen eighties. We used to be at war with them because they were killing settlers and they were being crazy lunatics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we weren't, but they were still practicing polygamy. So basically, the United States government were like, well, we'll disincorporate your church and started seizing your assets. So they're like, okay, you know what? Let's not do the polygamy. But like, stick but around the, for the, the not drinking group. coffee and not drinking alcohol. It's fun. Stick around, guys. Seriously. Yeah, worst you know? religion ever. Yeah. But the other side was like, nah, 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 nah. I got a good yeah. thing going. I got 10, all 10 wives here. Yeah. We're going to keep doing this. And they split. Shit. Yeah, they, sh- they split. And some of them actually went to Mexico. And there's still there, but some of them are still in Utah. Some of them are they're scattered all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and, and apparently, uh, you know, there's still about ten thousand people in the church. Uh, the uh, they raise money through tithes, so you have to actually give ten percent of your income to the group. Oh, so like if you're in the in the calls, like did you when you were in the uh, the Buddha field, did you have to give them money? I I was forced to live with people that I never would have otherwise lived with. Um, about 20 minutes outside of town where I never would have chosen to live um, with a bunch of roosters on a farm. But that's fine. I mean, uh, wait, what was the question? (laughs) I was was about to say, you're going in this rooster's direction. Did you ever have to give money? Oh, yeah. Like, did they they force you to give money? My rent was, you know, went to a house with with a lady that I never would have lived with. Two ladies. Three ladies. And one man that I never would have lived with. Was it rent expensive? No, but mm. it was rent, and mm. I was I had to pay for um, cleansings when I had them. Cleansings were fifty bucks a piece, which was considered therapy. Um, would you have had sex with a guy if he was into women? Like if, if this guy was how old? No. Like probably forty. No, I mean. He, or would you have left the cult if he was like, really, no, you you got to blow me? I really wanted to see Krishna. I really thought I was going to see Krishna. I was fucking retarded. I thought that I was going to see like another reality. I thought I had read Paramahansa, you know, autobiography of a yogi. I was totally hooked. They had a way of pulling people in to the point where like cults work. Exactly. Like to the point where like you have to be on such good behavior just to get invited to something. So, you know, I really, I had, I had other intentions. I was, I was trying to like transcend this reality and it wasn't until I did mushrooms and you know DMT and 
other things in ayahuasca. Like, this is how you find Krishna. Exactly. You know, I, I yeah. thought I saw Krishna once, but uh, turns out it was just Blue Man Group. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> well, you know, it's a good thing that uh, the Buddha field, the guy, you know, didn't end up like, you know, raping all the women. And just went for the strong. men. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you got lucky. Whereas, whereas if you're in Warren Jeff's uh, fund FLDS cult, uh, it might be a different story. I mean, so, Alistair Crowley once took a man into the desert and fed him peyote and ass fucked him for like two days straight. Wow. And he, he was heteroflexible. Was the guy cleansed? <laughs> um, uh, no, he was like brutally traumatized for the oh, rest okay. of his life. okay, all right. So. <laughs> but, I mean, he was the great beast. What are you going to do? The great yeah. beast. Well, thanks for stopping by to talk about the sex cult. People, go uh, follow Hung Young Terrorist at, at Hung Young Terrorist on Instagram and Hung Young Terror. Remember, it's T-E-R-R-A-R-I-S-T dot bandcamp dot com. And Y-U-N-G. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, guys. You're so awesome. And we didn't even end up having a threesome. No, it, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. There's no wobbly, wobbly H's. Yeah. yeah. I've never even had one. He hasn't even you had go. one. You've uh, had a few. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've had a couple. Yeah. Uh, this is episode 502 here of Sick and Wrong. Uh, you know the way the show works. Send us your stories. We'll read them here on the air. Sickandwrongpodcast.com. we got some stories coming up. we got some phone calls coming up. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. to your sex life, go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no, Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. So a lot of sick and wrong stuff in the news this week. Um, yeah, there's that guy that, uh, that that was asking for mac and cheese at the. Uh, did you see that University of Connecticut? I sure did. And you know what? The, the amazing thing about that video, it was nine minutes long, and only at the very end of the video did someone actually like take that guy down. Yeah. And knock, I like if I you know if that guy would have done this in Detroit. Or in any city, really, like mm. at a McDonald's, an urban McDonald's, if he would have gone in there drunk, bitching with his white entitlement, I think he would have been knocked out within the first two minutes. You absolutely would have. Um, it, I think it has to do with it being a university and then being food workers in like a university food court where it's like, if you fuck with the kids, you, you, you know yeah, what I mean? you're probably going to get like charges put against yeah. you and lose your job. Yeah. But the when, one you're guy, making, I mean, when you're making like $13 an hour, you know what I mean? Or whatever. It's not worth it, you know? Yeah. And the guy was exceedingly patient. I mean, I was just like, wow, you, you're going above and beyond in terms of your customer service here. That kid was like the bad guy in every 80s movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised. As, uh, well, Luke is kind of just like... A, like if they could, that, if they could remake it with James... Like reenact it with James Spader playing the kid, it'd be great. Yeah, I yeah. think it would have been, uh, yeah, you know, he could have been uh, the villain in a Die Hard movie or something. Yeah, exactly. Dick. Anyway, um, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about another story that I found here. <laughs> Cops 
ended up uh, being called to help out a teenager who was too high. This kid called 911 because he had smoked too much weed. That's absurd. It is a, it, it's, it's one of the most absurd news stories I've heard uh, in a while here. If I was a friend of this kid, I would, I would defriend him immediately. Like, we wouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. I'd be like, you know what? You're a liability, and you're annoying, and you're a pussy. You, you literally are a walking vagina that doesn't know how to smoke weed. Right, yeah. I mean, well, because, well, well to, be, I mean, to be fair, there are some very strong strains these days. It's not like it wasn't, you know. But, what do you, you know, you, you're freaking out, right? You, you can't feel your hands. So, you just go in the cuddle in the corner, shaking for an hour, and then you're fine. Right? Well, I mean, that's kind of what happened in this situation. But it's like, yeah. You don't need you, to call you know, anybody. Go, go, go just, eat something. Yeah, yeah. Lay down. Have some saltines. It's going to last a couple hours. Some orange slices. Sure. I mean, I, I've been too high before. I've been, mm. I've definitely been like, mm. I've been, I've been higher than the, than the point of which I could handle it. Mm. Especially with like acid. Like I, I've taken LSD and I've had not, not a horrible trip. The whole thing wasn't horrible, but there was probably like a period of maybe 45 minutes that was just excruciatingly terrifying. You know, it was just, I, I was freaking out. It was actually at a butthole surfer show. And back in the day, the butthole surfers used to show like videos of like penile reconstructive surgery oh, and just all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, like four hits of acid. We thought it'd be cool to check out the butthole surfers. Music already was difficult to, you know, to, to uh, sustain. And then all of a sudden it's like, with that and the combination of the penile surgery, I, lo- I, I was like, I got to go outside. And I was yep. like sweating. I felt like I was going to pass out. But you know what I did? I, I, I breathed through it. I walked around by myself for a little while, got through it, went back in, talked myself down. I was fine. Well, I don't understand how he overcomes the paranoid, you know what I mean? The, the, the sort of paranoia that's instilled in you that you're going to call the cops on that, yourself. That, that's that's what I understand. Yeah, it's like, and, and, the, and the thing is, well, let me get to this story. Yeah. Uh, Ohio man, because uh, keep in mind, this isn't a kid. This is a man. Ohio man dialed 911 to report that he was too high on weed. And uh, officers found him curled up on the floor, surrounded by a plethora of Doritos, pepper charm goldfish, and Chips Ahoy cookies. This guy is a living PSA. Mm. I mean, he might as well just work for Dare or something. I mean, this is this kid is just you can't become more stereotypical than this. Pepperidge Farm remembers goldfish. Yeah, you know, you could almost like Chips Ahoy should probably use this in a commercial. Mm. You know, best way to uh, you know to deal with being really stoned. Uh, anyway, officer arrived because the kid called nine one one. Twenty two year old kid, twenty two years old. I keep saying kid. He's not a kid. He's a man. Maybe he's a late bloomer. Well, you know, if he's twelve. Or thirteen, and and you're calling, and you're, and you're that high, and you're calling nine one one. It's like, okay, you're still a pussy, but I understand. Right. Yeah, I can understand why you're doing that because you're scared. You don't have much experience. You're twenty two years old at that point. I had been smoking weed for like I don't know six years, probably. You know, I mean, what this kid just start smoking weed? I don't think my sister had a drink until she was twenty two. Jesus. Yeah. She Mormon. No, just a you know, just a, a straight arrow. You know. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Not like me. Saving it for marriage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the, the, he called the cops, called 911, said he was too high. And the man's grandfather was like, yeah, he's upstairs. Uh, the officer reported the man could be heard groaning from a room at the end of the hall. I mean, how ashamed would you be if this was your kid? I'd be pretty ashamed. Yeah, <laughs> I would be. Because it's, it's handling, handling yourself in a crisis, you know. 
especially a, a psychedelic crisis is an important skill to learn you know yeah well, growing up but at the same time it's just like you know this is your son you know this is like your son you know you, you've raised this kid and this is what he does he calls 911 when he gets too high you on just, weed you just sounded like the most Jewish father ever <laughs> and this is what you do this is what you do I give you the marijuana and this is what you do with it this Oy. is how you honor my name yeah my my father would have smacked me around hmm. he would have yeah seriously he would have taken one of those mezuzahs off the wall Jammed it in my eardrum. Um, Officer Aaron Franks found the man laying on the floor in a fetal position. Also a stereotype. Um, he was surrounded by Doritos, Goldfish, Chips Ahoy cookies. Uh, the man declared that he smoked too much weed and was too high and could not feel his hands. Officer was like, do you want me to call an ambulance? He's like, no, it's fine. And then he goes on to confess what he did. That he smoked weed in his car. Gave the officer the car keys and was like, you have permission to take everything. Goes in there, takes a, gl- a glass jar of marijuana, found rolling papers, a glass pipe, and two smoke joints. And now the kid's being charged for a misdemeanor charge for drug possession. Idiocy. And he also admitted to DUI, kind of, you know? Well, sort of. I, yeah. I mean... Never talk to the police. Just never, just, ever say anything to them, ever. Th- that's kind of, that's where I was getting here. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to learn something from this story, a takeaway here, if you will... Just never admit to breaking the law, ever. If you murder someone, don't don't admit to it. Just deny it until proven guilty. Just say nothing. Just say nothing. Just be like, no, I didn't do that. No, I didn't smoke weed. No. I mean, they have to prove it. Just, But that's the problem. Kids today, they, that's what they do. Immediately, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, officer. I drank like six beers, and I was just driving back from, uh, from my friend's house. Got to work in the morning. It's like, oh, really? Six beers? Sobriety test. You know, I have audio on this uh, 911 call. We do. And that's kind of one. So we just went out here, you know, denouncing this kid for being another vagina, a total pussy. And uh, now you can actually hear for yourself. This is how much of a pussy this kid is. Not only are we disappointed in him, his parents are disappointed. The 911 operator is disappointed in him. Listen to this. What's the problem? I'm too high. You're too high? Yeah. What what'd you take? I can't feel anything. Your what? I can't feel anything. Okay, what did you take? Weed. Weed? Yes. Okay. Is there anyone there with you? Yeah, they don't know. Okay, how old are you? Twenty-two. Oh my god. Are they gonna be able to answer the door for us? Yeah. Okay, Andrew, we'll send an email right over to check you out, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, all right. Did, uh, did you hear when she was like, okay, what'd you take? Weed. And she's like, weed? Yeah. Yeah. She's not impressed. I mean, you take heroin, you feel like you're overdosing on heroin, call 911. Take a lot of PCP, call 911. Take meow meow. Yeah, call 911. Those are drugs that are seriously going to fuck you up and probably fuck up society in some way. Yeah. You smoke a little bit of weed. Shove some cookies in your mouth and just go to sleep. God. Just wait it out, you know? Wait it out. Walk it off. You know, I hope his friends, I hope his friends, like, ridicule this kid for, for like, you know, the next 20 years of his life. Yeah. At least. Anyway, what do you have for the next story? (laughs) 
Nebraska woman whose two young boys were forced to watch the film Mommy Dearest while duct taped to their chairs has been jailed on child abuse counts. Mommy Dearest. Yes, that that was the movie about Joan Crawford. Uh, Joan Crawford's relationship with her daughter. Based, where she based goes, on the book, right? Based on the book, yeah. and uh, where she's screaming, no wire hangers! No wire hangers! Because the daughter like made the mistake of, of hanging her clothes up on wire hangers, which just set off her lunatic mother. Yeah, she was a, she was a total, she was totally wacky. Wasn't that Faye Dunaway? Faye Dunaway played her? Faye Dunaway, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. So, uh, police allege that that Lucas, the mother, was aware that her boyfriend, Glenn Oliver, was duct-taping the children as a form of punishment. During questioning, Lucas admitted that she made her two boys watch Mommy Dearest after the children said that she was the meanest mommy. Lucas, who described the film as Hollywood's perfect representation of a mean mother, said that her own mother made her watch the movie when she was four years old. So, she's carrying on a tradition. Yeah, that does sound like a familial tradition. How old are these kids? They're like five and six. Wow, five and six. Yep. And uh, it, it almost sounds torturous to watch Mommy Dears at that age. It's a, it's a really weird movie. It is weird, yeah. yeah. It's a really weird movie. And I mean, I don't. I guess maybe she's trying to instill them with a healthy sense of irony. I, I don't, like... I, like, I guess you could do that if you, were like a, if you were like a jerk as a father. You could be like, well, watch Boys from Brazil, you know? <laughs> to, I'm not as bad as this Mengele guy. He's pretty bad, right? You know? You know, my, my dad used to, uh, my dad liked Holocaust movies a lot. Mm. And I think that's why I like ended up liking Holocaust movies. But my dad thought the most important thing to instill in his children was the knowledge of the Holocaust that it happened. So we would watch like, you know, when I was like seven, it's like, okay, Winds of War, Europa, Europa. Like that, we just, those are the movies we owned. Mm. I didn't think it was like torture. I wasn't, you know, I just thought, you know, I was, I was interested in it. But these kids, what are they used to watching like, you know, cartoons or whatever. Um, or Yo Gabba Gabba. And now it's like they're sitting here duct taped to a chair, forced to watch Mommy Dearest. Yeah. And um, it's it's also a weird story because she told her boyfriend to make them watch it. Um, and uh, he admitted that uh, he, he admitted to taping the children because he was tired and frustrated because they were restless and not paying attention to Mommy Dearest. <laughs> So, I mean, I mean, which, you know, it's a movie from 1981. These are kids that are, you know, raised with iPads. You know what it, I mean? Sometimes it, you can't, you know, it's like if you try to go back and watch the X-Files, it's like the, the way it's edited, you can't really get into it, you know? Well, it's, they're also five years old. That's true, too. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. they have the attention span of like a, like my cat. My right. cat probably has a longer attention span than these kids. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, and here they are watching Mommy Dearest. I like how uh, she wasn't even there. She's like, you know, my mom, I I bet you what happened here is the boyfriend's babysitting these kids. Mm. And uh, they're, you know, they're just losing control. They're breaking shit. They're screaming, running around. And he calls up his wife and he's like, you know, your two kids are fucking hellions. Like, I I can't even control them. I, I don't know what to do. And she's like, you should do what my mom did. Duct tape him to a chair and force him to watch Mommy Dearest. Yeah, it makes total sense. So what did he do? Did he, I mean, did they have the video? Is this like in case of, uh, you know, kids acting out, put the video in? Break glass and put it in VCR. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they, they, they just had, it's like a tradition. Um, and it's, it, I, I have to admit, when I was reading this, like, I got kind of aroused when I read this story. <laughs> because of the children? Not because of All the right. children. <laughs> That's good. No. That's good. Not because of the children. Come on. I was about to say, Harrison, we need to talk here. (laughs) No, just because it gave me ideas of, you know, like, 
How can you make watching a movie with the lady friend more exciting? With duct tape, Duct tape obviously. each other up while you're watching the fucking movie, you know? Hmm. Take turns. You right? know, I, I was, this, is, this is where my mind, like, this is what I think about. Like, these, these things give me ideas, you know? I imagine an erotic scenario would be is to duct tape your girlfriend to a chair and have her watch Cabin Boy. Yeah, I could see that. Chris Elliott? Yeah. I mean, that, I, that sounds like an erotic experience for her. And for me, just the fact that she's enjoying one of my favorite movies, it's arousing. Yeah, I mean, Chris Elliott can't, can't lose with that. He's a... He's a He's an erotic movie. powerhouse, so <laughs> in that situation, there's, there's, it's a win-win. Did your parents ever discipline you like that when you were a kid? No. Did you? I mean, did were you ever disciplined though? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, what was their disciplinary uh, method of choice? Uh, my father used to like to threaten me with violence, and then occasionally act out those threats. Did he like? Was he like? You know, I'm gonna grab my belt. No, he was like, like, like he was like, I will time? break you, you know. Whoa. Yeah, it was wow. like some killer instinct. Shit. Jesus, is he like uh, the Russian in uh, Rocky Four, Drago? Yeah, he, he was. That is, was he a I big will guy? crush you. Yeah, no, he was like that. He was like, I will, I will break you in half. I will, I will knock you the fuck out. And you did know? you ever like call his bluff, or you just like, no, my dad probably would knock me out. Yeah, he was a terrifying character. Wow, so I, I didn't, I didn't ever call his bluff, and you know, he did. Did he, he ever knock you out? A couple times. Oh, um, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the rabbi never did that. No, no. Mm. The, the thing is, the rabbi, mm. like, my brother kind of broke all the barriers. So mm. I think with me, I was just kind of a good kid that they're like, ah, fuck it. Mm. You know, he does what he wants. It's fine. But what, with the, what my dad would do is he'd look at me in a certain way and be like, David, I'm very disappointed in you. And that, that was worse than getting smacked across the face. Yeah. Just I, the I, disappointment. That's a Jewish guilt kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, my Psychological. dad was Jewish, but he was not into the guilt thing. He was just into the the, the threats. And Your the, dad sounds like a badass. Yeah, I mean he. Yeah, he. Uh, one time, yeah, one time he actually the Hebrew like, hammer threw me against the wall and like lifted me up by my neck, you know, and just was like. And the thing about my dad is weird because he. In a crisis situation, like I got arrested and now I'm. The, he's great. He's like, okay, here's what you do. You don't say anybody anything. You did, you know. He's great in those situations, but if like you didn't make the bed properly, he it's like hulks out. Off. He just totally hulks out and just yeah. Wow. Or you don't, if you're at dinner, you don't wipe your hands properly. Like weird little OCD things would set him off. Your dad is the Hebrew hammer. He was the Hebrew hammer. Yes, man, yeah. put the smack down. Right. What about your mom? Did she do anything like that? No. No. See, my mom, my mom was the, she was the disciplinarian. Like, my dad was just kind of in rabbi world, rarely ever interfered in any of our lives. And if there was a problem, like, me and my sister would fight, you'd be like, oh, sort it out amongst yourselves. And then just would go in the room and read the Talmud or something. But my mom, my mom would put the smack down. Like, I remember one time stopping her from, like, breaking a chair over my brother. Because my brother was a horrible kid. When he was, like, six, he called her a cunt. And uh, yeah, I don't even know where you learned that word at age six. Breaking a chair? Yeah, she was like going to like smack him with a chair. She was so angry. And like, I'm, I was a kid. I was Is like, your mother stone cold Steve Austin? <laughs> she, I think she was a big wrestling fan. Mm, okay. You know, come to think of it. But no, I like ran out and I was like, no, don't. And uh, my brother was just like, you fat cunt. And, my, and he's six years old. Yeah, I'm three. Yeah, yeah, it's like, a, yeah no, my, my brother's a bad kid. But I never did any of that stuff. So I never actually had to uh, endure any disciplinary measures. Mm. But much, you know, I actually, I like the movie Mommy Dearest. So for me, it wouldn't have been that bad. 
No, I think that, and I think that could be helpful to, you know, when I was younger, I used to have a lot of patience to watch, like, I'm going to watch this four-hour-long, silent Fritz Lang film, you know? I don't have the patience for that shit anymore, you know? So that could be a helpful tool to watch, you know, films. I think with me, it would be like if I, you know, if I did something wrong and they were trying to teach me some kind of aversion therapy, it would be like... You know, they would tie me down and put on like a Sandra Bullock movie or a Hugh Grant or something like Notting Hill. Like you're forced to watch that. But I wouldn't just do it once. I would do like, you a know, Catherine Heigl romantic comedy. Exactly. And, mm. you, and you're going to sit there for the next, you know, I don't know, 16 hours and watch it multiple times. That's how you make your child learn. Yeah. One time on the bus, they forced us to watch Medea goes to jail. <laughs> and, and, and literally the guy, the bus driver was like. Today's movie is Medea Goes to Jail. Everybody on the bus was like, ah. <laughs> and he's like, look, I got to play it. All right, I'm required to play it. So just, I got to play it. I'm sorry. Wait, he literally it's... apologized to us that he had to put on the movie. Is that a Greyhound mandate? Like, you're like, no, we have to play. Uh, what's that guy's name? Tyler uh, Perry movie. Tyler, yeah. Tyler Perry. You have to play Tyler Perry movies we on a Greyhound. We paid for the movie. We're going to use it, damn it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's torturous. Anyway, uh, it'll be interesting to see how these kids grow up. I'm thinking uh, probably at least one of those kids is going to end up uh, shooting up a high school. Probably. Yeah. But I mean, at least they'll have a a sense of whimsy and irony when they do it. Yeah. Or they'll fear women. Maybe they'll both grow up to be subs. Oh, yes. You know, that could definitely happen. Mm. Um, Last story here was sent in actually from a listener, Bobby, on uh, Facebook, on the Sigrong Facebook page. I love this uh, headline here. Police find man's freezer full of severed vaginas. That you, you, you can't get much better than that. No, you so can't. So descriptive. That's yeah. like the whole story. I don't even need to read the story. Guy has a freezer full of vaginas. If you wrote that headline, would you say instead, police find severed vaginas in man's freezer? You want to you end with the severed vaginas. Yeah, you yeah. I think the it. emphasis would be on the okay, end. Okay, sure. You know? Makes sense. Um... A Danish man, uh, 63-year-old Peter Fredrickson, is set to appear in court charged with sexual assault after police made an awful discovery at his home in South Africa. So at first when I read Africa, I was thinking like, oh, this is some kind of crazy African voodoo ritual. But no, this is just another classic weirdo white guy who's cutting off vaginas and saving them in his freezer. And I'm sure the other African guys are like, God, it's always a white guy that does shit like this. Yeah. You know? Um, police raided his house after his wife told them that he drugged her and cut off her genitalia. Oh, no. Which is just kind of counterproductive if you think about it, because it's your wife, so you're going to have to like... So now what, what Now what does your vagina look like? Well, I mean, you don't hear that a lot. You do hear about women cutting off their husband's genitalia sometimes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah this is kind of, yeah, this is a bit of a twist on that. Um... So then police ended up uh, going to the house and they discovered a freezer full of vaginas. And they confirmed that, wow, this is indeed uh, multiple body parts from 21 different women. All wrapped in plastic, in plastic freezer bags, and labeled meticulously. Labeled how, you ask? I'm not sure. Could be my name. Label maker. 
Maybe by size. Oh, you mean okay? Yeah, like I how how was it labeled? There, you thought actually like, like label maker, a label or maker? did he use a sharpie? <laughs> you know how? Okay, you're yeah. thinking the labeling technique, mm. like what he's using the instrument. No, I'm just saying, it, what? How did he categorize the different badges? Mm. You know, I imagine it's just labia that he cut off. It's not like he's cutting off the whole vagina, so it's just labia. And where did he get them? Well, from the different women. The women have vaginas. Well, I know this, but the, were they from dead women? Were they from living women? Well, Are there a bunch of women running around out there that don't have their vaginas anymore? How, what happened? That's the interesting thing. Forensic experts are trying to find out whether the victims, whether the uh, vaginas were taken from women while they're dead or alive. So they don't even know yet. Jeez. So this is being investigated. My, my question is, you know, what, what's he doing with all these labias? That's a lot of labia. 20 different women. So is that 42? Maybe he wants to like labia? make... You know, artisanal like, change purses and sell them on Etsy or, or something that, like that's that. That's kind of what I was thinking, like some kind of art project or mm. collage or something. I mean, it, who knows? Uh, they also confiscated uh, surgical equipment, anesthetic, and a large collection of photographs at his house. This guy's a uh, regular Dr. Lecter. Um, the guy owns a gun shop in the city of Bloemfontein and is wanted in Denmark for trading in illegal firearms. Uh, he previously boasted about performing general mutilation to Danish journalists. And uh, he said he claimed to have performed a controversial surgery on his wife. I don't even know how this guy even has a wife. Yeah. Because don't you think as soon as like, you, you, know, you, you end up dating somebody and he's like, you know, I'm really into uh, severed vaginas and doing home surgery. Honey, did you brag to journalists <laughs> about vag- vaginal, vaginal mutilation? No, yeah. that wasn't me. Yeah, you know, I, I, at that point, wouldn't you just be like, you know what? I don't think this is working out. I'm going to go date a banker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, they say right now it's important that they get information from the man's victims. At this stage, they don't know how many women there were, uh, how many fo- They're just looking through photos and they're, and they're researching. Um, but they do think it's, it's like he knew he targeted his victims uh, specifically and knew where to look for them. It kind of reminds me of um, the show. Have you watched that show Hannibal? I have not. It's a new show. I think it's done now. Actually, it's three seasons. And it's about like the, the Science of the Lambs Hannibal, Dr. Lecter, but before Red Dragon. So it was like when he first met Will, the guy who is the protagonist in uh, Red Dragon. And it just, it, it's like about him interacting with Hannibal Lecter and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the, the, what's funny about that show there's like 13 episodes, and every episode had a serial killer that would kill someone in a spectacular fashion. Like, it's just like, you're kind of like, okay, normally, maybe once a decade, you'll have like a Buffalo Bill type of guy that, that's skinning fat chicks and making an outfit out of it. Sure. It, that shit doesn't happen once a week. No. You know? But in this show, you'll get this one guy that was like, he was like, uh, burying all these different prostitutes and growing like a fungus garden of different mushrooms out of their living bodies. Like he was keeping them alive via an IV and just and growing fungus out of their like skin. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so they caught that guy. And then the next week, there's another dude who is like stitching people together, sort of like human uh, centipede type of style. Uh, but not ass to mouth. But they, he was stitching people together so he could go on the top of a silo and look down and see his his son decoration, like his son sculpture. Mm. And then there's another guy that's doing horrible things every week. It's like this guy. This guy would be the guy with the uh, you know I got a freezer full of labia. And who knows what he's doing? But in that show, he would have been doing something spectacular with it. Right. Yeah. You know? 
Well, I mean, this is, you know, this is old hat. He's not very original, this Dane. I mean, Mr. Ed Gein. Yeah, Ed Gein. I believe he blazed those trails uh, Ed Gein 50, did years 60 ago. years ago. Yeah. Well, when was Ed Gein? Was that the 60s? In the 50s. Yeah, 50s. Your Buffalo Bill from Signs of Lambs is based on Ed Gein. Ah. Yeah. You know, uh, back in, uh, in SF for a while, I was trying, uh, trying my hand in the comedy circuit, trying to do some stand-up, and uh, yeah, I sucked at it. You know, I, I just never liked doing stand-up. And what, what, what was the term that you use for the, the take five or whatever? The tight five. Tight five. You got to get a tight five-minute routine. So my closer was this joke about Jeffrey Dahmer and Ed Gein being buddies or enemies. Because Jeffrey Dahmer, when police uh, ended up arresting him and then going into his house, they found like a drawer in his kitchen just full of severed dicks. He just chopped off all the dicks and he put them in a drawer. Some of them were in jars, too, I believe. Some of them were in jars. Yeah. And then they went into Ed Gein's house, and Ed Gein had a drawer just full of severed vaginas, just like this guy. Yeah. And so I was wondering, like, what would have happened if Dahmer brought his drawer full of cocks over to Ed Gein's house? Would he have been like, dude, we could spend the next five hours just fitting them all together and seeing which ones fit and just, like, become yeah, be best like, of friends? Be like, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter. You got your peanut butter in my chocolate. <laughs> I wonder if they would be, like, the best of friends. Next thing you know, it's like, you know, let's just, like, hang out, watch Forrest Gump and just fit these vaginas and penises together. Or would Ed Gein been like, you're a fucking sick bastard. Get off of my porch. Ed Gein was a little craftier. Um, you know, he, was, he got pretty crafty with lampshades and all sorts of fun things. Dahmer just lived in a shithole and had, you know... A, yeah. He yeah. Just, and plus, Dahmer, I think, like, his whole thing is he just wanted to fuck the different body parts. But it could be skulls. that, like, like, when I was, a, you know, a kid and I had fucking Castle Grayskull and then my, this, uh, this other kid down the fucking street had Snake Mountain. So I could, you know, we, then we had... Then yeah, the combination. He-Man had a base yeah. and fucking Skeletor, Skeletor had a base. You know, so, so you, you put them together. Over, yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe you could even fight, you know? You could have the, the, the different things fight. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of things you could do with that. Anyway, that was my closer about, like, whether they'd be good friends or or, uh, or enemies. And, yeah, no one ever laughed. Fell flat, huh? Yeah, always. Mm. You know? Invariably, just no one laughed. Yeah. Anyway, people, send in your stories. Stick around podcast at hotmail.com. You can also submit them via Facebook or Twitter. We got phone calls coming up next. 206-626-3846 is that number. Before that... Here's a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, it's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got a few phone calls here to get to. Uh, 206-666-3846 is that number. Uh, the first call is from a guy who has advice for us about the uh, the, the new Sick and Wrong 2.0. Um, hey, D. Hope that uh, 
you uh, come up with something new, you know, to branch off the sick and wrong podcast. We have actually. Um, we're doing it right now. Uh, obviously, Wacker, we've done. He's out for the count. Um, just bring in somebody else. Just don't Hello. bring in fucking John Steele. The guy is fucking annoying. <laughs> he's a loudmouth piece of shit. Jesus. Actually, he's not a piece of shit. He's a fucking loud mouth. Oh, he tempered that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. He retracted that statement. He's mm-hmm. like, no, it's not a piece of shit. He's just a loud mouth man. Very outspoken, that Steel. I like, I like that this, you know, there's very, ang- there's very angry fans, but they're thoughtful about yeah, their anger. This guy's considerate. Mm-hmm. He's talking about Pepper. He's not funny. <laughs> Bring somebody else. Maybe that Martin child molester referee guy. Maybe somebody like that. Child molester will probably be better than John Steele. There you go. Hmm. Child molester. Child it, it, molester referee. Okay, so the old uh, co-host of John Steele and their show From the Ville was this guy named Mike Martin. I also went to high school with this guy. He's not a child molester. He, he's not like he's not a he's not a pedophile to my knowledge. He is never charged with pedophilia. But if you met that guy, like if you're you know looking in a, a police lineup of a bunch of uh, of offenders, and he was standing there and someone's like pick out the pedophile, that's the first guy I would pick. So he has that Stephen King kind of look. Kind of, he's got like a mustache. He's kind of got a gut. Mm. He just looks like a guy that would be cruising around in a van looking for like yeah to, looking for little victims and like offering them laffy taffies or something well it's very nice that you said his full name yeah <laughs> well i mean people know the guy i i went to high school with the guy i thought he's funny he's a good guy let's go talk um, to the sick and wrong legal team and see what yeah. they think <laughs> but john Steele, though you know uh, this john Steele's a fan favorite he's been on the show multiple times not sure why this guy has an issue with steel. I'm wondering if something like there's a personal thing going on. You know, maybe we'll find out. Anyway, uh, what's the next call? Isn't this this next call has something to do with with uh, showing your your children porn? Yes, exactly. Talking about pedophilia. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Jackie calling from Superior, Wisconsin. Man, sorry for you. You might appreciate. So, my wife, my mother-in-law, and my two daughters, age three and six, are on a road trip to South Dakota. I'm working at the time, so I was not able to go. They were on their way to my nephew's graduation. They brought a video camera. My six-year-old was watching the video, watching videos up that were stored on the camera. And my wife noticed that he was he had a really weird look on his face. Just see where it. this is going. And my daughter says, Did you want him to be doing that to you? My wife Damn. grabs the camera, looks at what she's watching. He was going to Brown Town so for sure. a few years before, we had videotaped ourselves fucking. <laughs> and at this point, my wife was holding the camera, and I was licking her tits. 
That's not that bad. My, yeah. my mother-in-law is in the car. Yeah, I wonder what she thought of that. Mm. We got rid of that video real quick. Deleted it right away. Now, fast forward a year. Let's I'm jump, on... Jumping around in time. What is this? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of losing uh, track of what's going on here. Fucking Doctor Who. A road trip with my wife, two daughters, and my mother-in-law. Whoa. The same place in South Dakota for another graduation. Did you get some more family porn on the uh, the v- on the uh, the video camera? These sound like the worst trips ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would rather cut my dick off than go on one of this guy's family trips and then be subjected to his family porn. We checked into a hotel for a night somewhere along the way, and my daughter says to my mother-in-law. I saw Daddy licking Mommy right here, pointing at her chest. So, I don't know. Yeah, this guy isn't isn't the best uh, 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 raconteur, uh, I would say. I, it seems like there's a lot of pauses from pregnant pauses in this narrative. Um, might as well just skip to the point here. Don't show your kids porn. If you're going to videotape yourselves, hide that shit. You yeah, know, put it on a specific, like a special hard drive or something. Don't keep it in the car, you know? Jesus. Um, did you ever, did you ever find your parents' porn? Um, no, but I found my uncle's porn because he was, uh, he was not home. And I was, I think I was actually trying to tape an episode of Clarissa Explains It All because that was a show I was into at the time. It, were you like 16? Yes, I was 16 <laughs> years old. And uh, no, so... I, I put in a tape because I'm like, oh God, I got it. it's coming on. I got to tape it. I got to find the tape. So I found what I thought was a blank tape. I played it and it was just some chick sucking this guy's dick. But not your uncle wasn't in the video. No, no. It was no. His porn. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. It was just his you know, stash and I was like, what? <laughs> like literally it kind <laughs> your of... eyes just opening and you're just like, wow, a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. It Cue was... the song from Aladdin. I didn't even know what to make of it. It like, it was, I couldn't even wrap my brain around it. Really. I don't think I could fathom it at that mm. age. Yeah. Um, I remember when I, when I first moved to uh, this country from South Africa, I was like uh, 12 years old, I think, 13. Um, in South Africa, you weren't allowed to have porn. They call it blue movies, illegal. So I never really got to see porn. Mm. Whereas here in the U.S., I mean, even back then, you'd see porn on like Skinamax or Showtime. Just you'd encounter it. A lot of, you know, or find someone's, your uncle's Playboy, your uncle's porn. You just didn't have that opportunity in South Africa. Um, so I never really knew about porn then. And so uh, I come to this country and, and uh, my, there's this kid, he was a Jewish kid, he was part of our, um, his name was Matt. He was in the Jewish community and his parents forced him to hang out with the rabbi's kid because I didn't have any friends, you know. And so they're like, you have to hang out with him. So he was my first friend. And this kid was fucking weird. Like I remember going to his house and he was just like, check this out. We go into his parents' room. And his mom was like this big fat lady. His dad was one of those skinny, kind of soft-spoken dudes. Mm, a milk toast. His, his, yeah, but his, but his wife was like, you know, she was definitely the dom and she was much bigger than the, than the husband. Anyway, he's like, check this out. And he pulls out this photo book and, he, and we go back to his room and we're sitting in the room and he's opening up this photo book and it's just a bunch of Polaroids of his dad's cock and his mom's mouth and his mom just Jesus. like, yeah, and like his dad just like, you know, blowing a load all over his mom's face and I was just like, holy shit. Like, I, this, no, I don't want to look at it. And he's like, look at it. I was like, no, I'm not going to look at it. He goes, I'll go tell my dad if you don't look at it. 
I'm like, and so I didn't know what to do. So I had to page through it, and he was like, slower. So I oh paged through this whole photo book of his dad boning his mom. After that, I was just like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with his kid anymore. No, that... Yeah. But I had to because I had to see him because he's a member of the congregation. How and then, old were you at this time? Just moved the country, like 12 or 13. Okay, okay. And like his parents, you know, were you know, upstanding members of the congregation. Like his mom was like the head of the Jewish woman's youth group or whatever it was. So it was, he was getting off on making you look... At pictures of his parents. Fucking I think it was like a control thing. This I think kid it is was advanced. Like, He's like, yeah. dude. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's it's it was it was definitely very unsettling at the time. So moving on, we have one more call to get to. Uh, this guy. He's a frequent caller. He's the epic farter. We call him um, English dude that yeah farts at an epic level. Like he he'll call in. He'll discuss his farts. And I remember the first time he called in and was talking about it. We're like. Wow, like that—that's not normal flatulence. Like you, you, you—it's an elevated level of flat. He could probably lead a flatulence cult hmm. based on how impressive and how epic his farts are. So let's see what he has to say. Ah, dear Lance, epic farter here. Just responding to your um, shout on the uh, podcast with regards to how we instigate the fornication in the UK oh yeah, um, oh yeah especially when you've been married as long as I have I know it's only nine years but you get left. so we were talking about this a few weeks ago uh, when uh, Wacken and I were on the show I don't remember what show it was but there, someone was talking about like marriage and once you're married for a few years how does sex initiate like who initiates sex and, if, and, and so then I, I'm not quite sure how it came around to, to the English but we brought up like, yeah, how do they do, how do they initiate sex in England? All right. That's for uh, murder these days. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes it's part of preparation. Are you giving her some compliments in the morning before you go to work and a couple of sexy texts? Um, sexy texts. That doesn't always work. Uh, it often takes uh, taking her out for a meal or um, taking her to a hotel or... Uh, seeing if I can get to bed before her which is quite hard because she often goes to bed at like nine half nine at night Some- that's got to be kind of annoying mm. you know, like, you, what do you do movie where it's like at a certain time the sweatpants go on and when the sweatpants go on <laughs> what was that from over. was that from uh fly the Concords? I don't remember what it was from. The sexy uh, business time no, I don't. It, oh, okay. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, I, I know what you're talking about. Business yeah. time. There's the, they did a song called Business Time. Yeah. And uh, if she put on her uh, sweatshirt, mm. you just knew you weren't going to have sex. There's any, no business time if this one sweatshirt came any on. Any part of a sweatsuit, sweatpants, it's, it's over. It's done. Yeah, it's like once yeah. I get comfortable like that. It, mm. And if the girl goes to bed at nine o'clock, yeah, you're you're kind of screwed. Mm. Like, either you go to bed at the same time and then have sex and then and then go do your thing. But you can't usually just leave and, and, and stay up for another two hours because your wife will be pissed off. It's a quandary. Yeah, spontaneous. How do you keep it spontaneous? Yep. Tom's earlier. Slip in the old uh, TV, smart TV on on the old fireplace mode. And uh, Is that... What? I, I'm a little confused by that. Is he saying... He puts the uh, channel on. Is that British on. slang? For, is that like, I blixed on the airy gobbler I did? Is that like, <laughs> like one of those? 
I can't wait till I end up going to England at some point for some sick and wrong thing and somebody just chibs me just fucking glasses me in the face with a pint glass because doing, of your your disrespectful notions accents yeah. and just people are gonna yeah. I, I'm worried about that because mm. I'm going out to the UK mm. you know at the end of November mm. and uh, I think one of those guys is gonna be like this is all this is you deserve this and there's like you well, know you're going to Scotland, uh, Scotland and London. Yeah. Well, and Ireland, too. So they uh, we're going to piss off all you know, of them. Instead of saying hello in Scotland, they just headbutt you. Yeah, I, so I can see get, that. Get ready for that. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, fun I'm drunk that. enough not to feel right, it. Right. Trying to romance her a little bit. Or just plain blunt nubbing her in the bed with the old um, <laughs> love truncheon. That's the best. <laughs> blunt nubbing her in the bed with the old love truncheon. <laughs> That that's probably one of the best euphemisms I've heard. That sounds like a prog rock album or something. Yeah, you ever do that though? Like I I remember in the long term relationships that I've had, um, you, you know, you, you end up passing out. You want to have sex. She just wants to go to bed, but you gotta like you know you 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 got a hard on. Yeah, and so you just kind of just poke her and then small the back till finally she's like, ah, oh, fuck it, just stick it in. Yes. I think that's what happens to a lot of marriages. Mm. You know, it's like after you've been married for fifteen years, and it's like she's like here and she you know opens up her legs just stick it in and let's get this over with yeah yeah you just you know show her what you got you going just on. poke it's the yeah. poke technique yeah. Yeah. yeah you know you're like poke 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 mm. nub 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 and next thing you know it's like mm. just let's get this done the love trenching uh, that doesn't go down too well most of the time i just have to sort of like uh, discreetly do it so she knows it's there and sometimes she'll give it a quick tug or she'll climb on but most of the time she's just tired <laughs> but yeah, it, you yeah know, you're making marriage seem so inviting. I know. Well, I mean, yeah, it's you know, you get you get into a routine and well, that's what, and, and not to mention, I mean, you think about it, you got to work in the morning. Yeah, you can't be up all night having uh, or a little bit of rumpy bumpy every mm. night. Rotten goblies. <laughs> no, <laughs> rotten goblies. Into work, seem to get a bit of a persuasion every now and again, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's going to get easier or harder. I'm hoping she's going to hit the um, hit the noughties when she gets to forty. Now, what does that mean? Hit the noughties. I think he. Oh, I, like when a woman when a woman's sex drive goes into overdrive. Into overdrive. In the, yeah. Forties. It's pre-menopause, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah. all of a sudden they hit their like uh, sexual awakening mm-hmm. or something late thirties, early forties. I've yeah, I've experienced that. And so he's banking on this. Yeah. But you bang a lot of older chicks that that are more just sexually uh, active. I have on occasion. Yeah. Yeah. They get. They get. They is get, there a noticeable difference? They get freakier when they get yes. like uh, late thirties. Yeah. Oh, they get freakier. Yeah. Sometimes. Not all the time. But how sometimes. long does it last? I don't know. Hmm. I think yeah. you know what it is. I think if you don't have children, I think once you have kids, your sex life's just fucked. Because not only you know you're busy raising your kids or dealing with your kids and not wanting your kids to listen, you're also worried that you're going to have another one. Right. Yeah. So you're not having sex. But I think women who aren't, you know, aren't in a relationship or divorce or whatever, you get your sexual reawakening. You know? Whereas, whereas dudes get it like 18. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're what ready to go. Yeah. Like multiple times a day waste. at 18. Seriously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. So I sort of prefer it as a challenge sometimes because uh, I'm sure if I had it every day I'd probably get bored of it. Well, with the same woman anyway. But yeah, um, I try to keep the farting at the minimum if I'm going down the persuasion route. <laughs> Obviously, it's not really much of a turn on. Yeah, but I you're did, so impressive uh, the way you fart. 
I'm surprised she wouldn't be impressed by that. I don't know what what part of England this accent is, but I I, I could listen to this guy all day. Honestly, I, I love yeah. the guy's voice. Yeah. So yeah, this guy's got a great accent. I did knock out a fart whilst having sex with my first girlfriend, and uh, it went didn't go down too well because it was the first time we had sex when I was about sixteen. You just ignore it. Everybody should just ignore it when that happens, right? Pretend it didn't happen. I always find it funny when a girl queefs mm. and then has to be like, oh, that was a queef. That was a queef. Like, you have to, like, clarify. Like, yeah. I declare that was a queef, that awkward farting I, sound. I uh, declare that uh, that was a uh, queef. <laughs> that was a queef, not a fart. And uh, I was just about to climax and um, produce this massive fart which shook both of us and uh, made us roll around with laughter. So, yeah, it's not always a passion killer, but, you know, I'll try and keep it at a minimum. But, yeah, hopefully that answers all, my, all your questions. Um, keep up the good work and uh, listen to all the next one. Take it sleazy. Yeah, nine times out of ten, farting during sex is a passion killer. Yeah. Unless maybe the girl has some kind of weird fetish. Yeah, or if you can just if you can just put it out of your mind, just like everybody just pretends it didn't happen, and just you know. Yeah, but to a point though, like I mean, like nine eleven. Yeah, I'm just saying though, if you're having sex with a girl and she just keeps farting, would you say something eventually, or would you keep ignoring it? I keep ignoring it because it would, you know what I mean. <laughs> but at what point though do you be like, dude, what the fuck did you eat? Well, I mean, if it's like it's, it's an IBS situation, like, <laughs> like Camille Grammer, you know what I mean? Um, then then it could be, you know, you could get into a whole other situation with that. I, you know, I just try to like uh, control bodily functions yeah. while you're having sex. This guy is the worst marriage counselor ever. I think this guy, you should not go into marriage counseling. You don't make it sound very appealing. I don't, think, like I don't know if that's actually the me. job of a marriage counselor to make it sound appealing. You know? Yeah, but I mean, you're supposed to like make mm. it, make you, you know, convince you to be optimistic about this uh, miserable situation that you're in. Marriage is work, D. It, it's it, hard apparently, work. it is. Yeah. You know, I, I would say I would refrain from farting if you're trying to convince, persuade your lover to have sex with you or your wife. You probably don't want to. Yeah, maybe you should be a marriage counselor now. That's that's pretty profound stuff you got there. My my first thing, just try not to fart when you're trying to get sex from your wife. I think that makes sense. And if that's where Epic Farter is going with that, it's good advice. Uh, People call the Sick Wrong Hotline 206-666-3846. We need some new calls. Um, This week we had one guy call like like 15 times. Uh, just uttering just nonsensical th- I didn't even play any of it I might play some stuff at the end of the show like an outro but we need some decent calls so call 206-666-3846 the Sickerong hotline is back and uh, yeah we want to hear from you oh, we, got, uh, we got an email here to Podcast at hotmail.com this came from Ferris Ferris Khalifa he says hey D I got a perfect new name for the podcast Jew and a Half Men that's good that's that is good because like you're that. happy and, yeah. and I'm a full so Jew and a half men Jew and a half men or my dad likes to say sometimes in certain situations TMJ so what does that mean too many Jews too many Jews yeah yeah, yeah. I've already heard that uh, actually uh, people were saying that you know, now you got a you got a half breed on and a full breed that's a lot of Jew for one show that's a lot it's a lot TMJ um, he's stoked that the podcast's still going and he'll be making a phone call when he returns from Dubai. Thank fuck you're not gone. Well, thank you, Ferris. Um, yeah, no, we're still here. 
Um, also, Harrison's working on this new t-shirt design. Harrison has some ideas about t-shirts. You, you got a lot of snappy t-shirts. I do. You got a lot of like witty, witty t-shirts. I do. I'm a, a, a t-shirt aficionado. Yeah, if it, you have to be in Los Angeles, I think. Well, yeah. because it's so warm here, you wear yeah. t-shirts a lot. So right. what are you just going to wear, like an American Apparel basic tee, or are you going to wear something interesting? Right. Conversation it's a conversation stuff. Yeah, especially with me, I have trouble going up to women, so sometimes I'll wear, you know, a provocative uh, t-shirt. t-shirt. Say something about my shirt, please, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk. Yeah. It's a good technique. How's that going for you? <laughs> oh, it's going great. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Left well, and right. I'm sure the sick and wrong t-shirt that you're designing is definitely going to inspire women to chat with you at a bar. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, But we're planning on getting a new shirt soon. I still have some small shirts left of the sick and wrong, uh, the white sick and wrong logo. Um, Also, I might be making a print sometime soon. And the Cafe Press store is going, cafepress.com slash sick and wrong. People, keep in mind, I'm going to be out in Europe at the end of November. And uh, there's going to be some meetups happening in Dublin. Uh, London and Glasgow, and uh, I already made some invites on the Sick and Wrong uh, uh, Facebook page. So check it out over there. More details coming later. But yeah, we're going to be meeting and we're going to be drinking. It should be a good time. Uh, finally, here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. You know, it's kind of funny that uh, it's coincidental that, that, that you mentioned um, cheesy rap songs that are at the end of movies in the beginning because some guy sent this in. With a horrible cheesy rap song done by Macho Man Randy Savage. You know he put out a rap album? I didn't know that, and I wanted to listen to it. Uh, it's terrible. Mm. Uh, this guy sent this in. He goes, D, you should make a song like this about that poofter Wackerly. And he calls himself White Bread. Mm. That's the, I, don't, I think it's a pseudonym. I couldn't imagine a parent naming their kid White Bread. Unless maybe they were like some kind of skinhead or something. Um but anyway, White Bread sends in this song called Be a Man. That was the, that's a, rot, uh, a, a macho man, Randy Savage, from his rap album called Be a Man. Step into a Slim Jam. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. The whole song, he's calling out Hulk Hogan to be a man. Oh. And, and this, this wasn't during the heyday. This came out in mm. like in uh, 2003. Mm. So he's still was bringing up, like, unearthing that rivalry that he had with the Hulkster back in, like, when was that? 1988? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the Hulkster, I mean, kind of won there. He's the one who has the mania named after him, not fucking Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, Randy know? Savage is also dead, so I think that oh, yeah, helps, too. Dead, yeah. So, so yeah. look look who's the winner now. Hulk Hogan won at life. Yes. He did, he yeah. did. But uh, but apparently, um, the, the Macho Man made a very regrettable rap album that was produced by some guy. In, this, this guy in Florida owned a record label called Big Three Records, and so he hired some real rap producers that that it didn't out, done like albums for like you know some some like Drake and like big rappers. Mm. It was like yeah, you got to produce this one for. I mean, not Drake. It was a while ago, but he, they, these were like well known rap producers in the industry. And they're like, I'm gonna have a a rap album with Macho Man Randy Savage because he has a very distinctive voice. And these guys are like, seriously, can he rap? And he, he had never even listened to a rap song. It sounds like an epic atrocity on the, the same wave as, you know, the Super Bowl shuffle. So This is uh, in that mm. same vein. So mm. anyway, uh, thank you, Whitebread, for saying that. And we're going to end the show with Be a Man by uh, Randy Savage from his rap album, Be a Man. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 503. Until then, take it sleazy. Huh. Hulk Hogan, 
Brasilia Dancing in tight as a ballerina I knew all along you had those tendencies Cause you've been running from my truth like I got a disease Dude, please, your pay-per-view event was a joke You're avoiding Randy Savage cause you know you can smoke Come on, that phony fight the rock spank you fast But when I tell him to do a real fight, he passed I called him out but the punk was scared to go It was a charity event but the hug didn't show Hollywood hooked up, you're at the end of your rope And I'ma kick you in the butt and wash your mouth out with soap Cause, like Rodney Dangerfield, you get no respect So come on, hawk this wreck so I can put you in check Be a man at all, come on, don't be scared You're running from macho, that's what I heard Be a man at all, come on, don't be a chump I never thought a hawk would go wild like a punk Be a man at all, come on, don't be scared You're running from macho, that's what I heard Be a man at all, boy, use a chump Cause your movies and your acting skills are both trash Your movies straight the video the box office can't stand While well, I got myself a feature role in Spider-Man You hide the man, but when I find you thought And when I slam it to the dirt, you wish you was never born I smell a coward, is that you, Hogan? Macho's gonna kick your butt, this is a slogan You tried to ignore me, thinking I'll go away But I'ma keep on messing with you two day after day And once you step to Macho, you're through The joke's on you, so what, what you gonna do? Probably nothing